Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I am your host for today, Ryan Houlihan. And I am Jason Soli. And I am Gabe Gonzalez. Before we get into the show, I am here to tell you about the Patreon. You need to check out the Slayer Fest 98 Patreon because it has tons of extra content, live streams. You can interact with everybody from the show. You can help, you know, influence some decisions made for the show. It's awesome. Come check it out. You, it's where you want to be. Now, let's get into the episode. Today, we are here to talk about the Angel Season 2 episode, Guys Will Be Guys. What did we think? Uh, you know, so it's, sometimes it's nice to go back and just watch the episodes that, like, are kind of, not, like, too much, but, like, like a filler kind of thing. Yeah, to me it feels, it is definitely a filler episode, but I also think it's, like, it's a good way to break up the season because we needed some, like, hijinks at this point and a little less, like, yes, doom and gloom. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did ap- appreciate the episode, like trying to tie in the events of the previous one. I uh, so I I always tell Ian that he's the reason I started watching Angel. I tried to watch season one forever ago and then just gave up on it. So during the pandemic, I binged all of it. So it's been about a year, maybe year and a half, since I've seen this episode. And going back and watching it, I was like, oh right, this like Darla thing, and they're in the hotel now. And I've got to say, one of my favorite moments from this episode was not the episode itself, but the previously on at the beginning of the episode, where one of the quotes they show is Darla pushing Buffy away and saying, or Buffy pushing Darla away, and she's like, God doesn't want you, but I still do. And I was like, bring that energy of writing to this episode, please. Like, It's just, it was high camp. It was beautiful. Um, But yeah, no, it definitely felt like a filler episode, some weird choices. The B-plot was just like absolutely pointless to me and it kind of tied into the a plot in an interesting way which we will obviously recap but not the most thrilling for me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. fair enough fair enough well we begin the episode having a you know normal day at the new office in the hotel wesley uh (laughs) naturally (laughs) i mean it's just funny to me now that like they have all these empty rooms i'm like monetize it like invent airbnb (laughs) yeah like invent it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like right here right and here right also, now like where's gun's whole group he was like wow we're living on the outskirts of society we're so poor i was like could you not house all these people now that you have this hotel like classic yeah, la move standing army like exactly <laughs> that's so true wait what the <laughs> he said fuck them kids i'm taking this hotel for myself he and did with the vampire <laughs> i need to sleep in a different room every night i have emotional problems <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Wesley's trying to like run the business on his own, but he's clumsy, um, and he's a little too friendly and <laughs> a little too like secretarial. I believe the word is used. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. And he starts scaring away clients, which like same, I'm not the front of house. <laughs> All right. See, my thing is though, like, because like, it, you know, I, you, I feel like overall watching it, you know, the, like kind of the transformation of Wesley, but like. I'm like, okay, he was a rogue demon hunter. He's not this clumsy. Like, you're like, you don't need to oversell it like so much. It's like slip sliding <laughs> all around. Like, come on. <laughs> I do love the idea of Wesley as like a physical comedian in the style of Lucio Ball. <laughs> we don't get it for the rest of the series, but it would have been well, a normal really <laughs> a really normal place for the show to go. <laughs> 
Season one and two have great moments like this, though, where Wesley is really, really bumbling. And I think what I call the I am Spartacus episode from last season where they're in the like demon den fighting. Wesley has this other moment of lucidity where he like kind of gets it together and is like really, really efficient and then goes back to being a total bumbling idiot. I do mm-hmm. love those like punctuated moments of Wesley, like kind of like getting it together, getting really zen and being like, I can convincingly do this. But um, this episode is not nearly as suave as that. He's like definitely just the the foibles <laughs> of Wesley is really the only thing this episode is writing on. And I, I don't mind it. I prefer his physical comedy to his romantic moments. I will say that. Oh, okay. I think his like tough guy rogue demon hunter persona that comes out is something he can like perform, but it like sucks to perform it. Like it's like not <laughs> yeah. who he is. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> so like, when he's in a bad a- mood, he spirals by being like, I'm going to be so competent. You'll see. And he is competent. Like he gets stuff done kind of, but he's so miserable. Whereas when he things are going fine for Wesley, I think he just lets it hang loosey goosey. He's not like, I don't think he like, I think he's just like, wherever he is which is an interesting character development because it it i i the first time i watched the show i didn't really think about identity in terms of like performance and stuff but it is like uh-huh. there so you know what's funny about this is that like in the same way i just have like a different like way to get there is that i feel like wesley like when he doesn't need to take charge like he is this you know just bumbling around like who knows he doesn't even know what he's doing but like it seems like it's so for me, it's like when my big brother's around, like mm. I don't have to like, you know, take care of anything. So I like end up being like just relaxed and like, I'm like, whatever, you know? And yeah. I feel like, like it's kind of like that where he's just like, well, angels got it. So I don't have to worry about anything. I'm like that with my husband on vacation. but that's what i'm saying we all have that, you know, like where it's just like, ah, I can relax. Like everyone else has got it taken care of. <laughs> he's definitely code switching i feel like wesley like doesn't like to put his top voice on but when he has to he'll like hit that register you know what i mean yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. same thing with willow yeah so then, <laughs> <laughs> so then cordelia rushes in and says that she knows that angel is trying to break into wolfram and heart and of course uh she's worried about him trying to do that then we get to the lower levels of the law firm where Angel and Gunn are successfully breaking into the building through the sewers. And then Wes and Cordy just show up having walked in the front door. <laughs> <laughs> because Cordy is a lawyer. <laughs> the glasses. <laughs> I, I have so whenever I have a friend who is a very business looking white lady, and she has literally never once stopped at the concierge desk in my building. That's like a pretty tight security. <laughs> she just walks by, and every time she's like, No one said anything. I do it all the time. And that is true, like white woman. That is like the one, the I, not the one, but it is one of the like things that white women can do that literally nobody else can do. <laughs> nobody else is deemed that safe. So it's I like guess you good exude for that confidence and power. You, you can get anywhere. Yeah, and nobody takes you as threatening. They just kind of assume <laughs> if you look like you're supposed to be there, why would a woman pretend she was supposed to be somewhere she's not? Whereas like with a man <laughs> or like a person of color, they, people have all these reasons to discriminate. But I think it's like obviously shitty that that's the case, but it is kind of fun to watch Cordelia be like, oh, you couldn't do that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it is a funny thing to highlight, too. I feel like that's a really fun thing about Cordy in season one and two. Like, her superpower is just being, like, stupidly confident and privileged. And she's, like, constantly getting access to things or learning about things through her, like, kind of, like, blind white lady privilege that is ultimately helpful. So it's, like, to me, 
hands down one of the most powerful people if they're operating out of LA. Like you need a confident <laughs> yeah. white lady. You, you, on you your know, team. and yeah, like and being able to turn that privilege to good is is you know is good. <laughs> yeah, not using. Listen, using your privilege isn't inherently bad. It's that most people use it for selfish reasons, and even Correct. if they don't realize it. And if you're using it to help somebody, I mean, there's literally. I mean, what else are you supposed to do with it? I mean, to not use it would be even shittier. So <laughs> in, in any event, they are they're in the bottom of Wolfram and Hart and uh, they do have vampire detectors. So they already know that Angel's there, which I think needs to sink into Angel at some point. <laughs> that they're gonna know <laughs> also the way the security guard i thought he was gonna whip out a nightstick and what pops out is a steak <laughs> i was, was like kind of really cool. <laughs> it was so fun i like that they have to brief the security guards and they're like you're shitting me and they're like no we're not there's vampires Believe you're, me, you're gonna want this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so the one thing i love about this though is that gun was just along for the ride like gun is just like you just point me in a direction i got you like yeah didn't even <laughs> And I just love that about Gun. Like, like Gun's just like, yeah, what you need me to do? I'm in. I mean, to really round out the realism of Angel's character, he does like need a boy. You know what I mean? Like, he needs like a bro. He needs like a pal. He he does. So then we find out Angel's plan is to just find where Darla is. Uh, when the guard confronts them, they stake the man's foot. Which, like, Angel, I, I, Angel, did you have to go that hard? This guy's trying to put food on the table. Really? <laughs> this is not a... This is yeah, like, cause. you know this guy's underpaid. Like, you could have just <laughs> pushed him out of the way. So then I guess Wolfram and Hart's not going to work. Uh, they can't just go to Dry Life, So they're like, we're going to go to Caritas and we'll get some advice from the host, Lauren. From Lauren. Oh, I love Lauren episodes. Uh, yes. It's great. Oh, my God. The makeup looks incredible. Obviously, like, what are we going to act like Andy Hallett's not the highlight of Angel most of the time? That <laughs> yeah. Carpenter's not on screen. Like, it's a perfect. The, the, I love the club. I love the conceit of the singing. It's not overused. And even in this episode, they kind of fake us out. We'll get there. It's I, I just love this era of Angel. This is quintessential Golden Age Angel to me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The businessmen singing share in the background is just the <laughs> perfect. so perfect. It's so perfect. Like, oh, God. So good. Uh, Gunn is shocked to find out that his own hometown is a little bit more spooky, scary, and weird than he even knew, which is funny to me because it's like, if you live in a big city, that is part of adulthood. <laughs> you're like, oh, shit, this is all going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you, you start really, you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> like when I realized so many of the bodegas that I frequent are just like, they're not so many, but a certain number of the bodegas that I frequent are definitely money laundering and like slay good for you small businesses we support local small businesses i you know you don't want to be in a food desert but i once went into a bodega around the corner from my old apartment and they literally had one can of diet coke <laughs> i was like oh we're gonna need to like keep up appearances a little better guys you you actually end up supporting them bringing in like a 12 pack you're like i'm sorry i just want to help you all out had to donate. I just I like stopping here every day for a coke. So if you could just leave <laughs> these in the fridge. <laughs> oh. I was gonna say to me, it feels like bringing a straight person to a gay bar for the first time, like uh, oh, like a yeah. friend from Florida where I grew up, and they come visit New York, and they're like, "Show me where you go," and I bring them to a gay bar, and an hour later, they're like, "This is real. Like people do this," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, babe." <laughs> I once I once brought a friend from my hometown who now lives in the greater DC area where you can 
be more selective about the different kinds of people you interact with. I don't speak to this person anymore, but at one <laughs> point, a friend from my hometown who lives in a very sheltered bubble part of DC came to a gay bar and it was literally like the world's nicest, friendliest, most approachable, not complicated basic beginner level homosexuality gay bar and steps from the Broadway show we saw. And she turned to me and the first thing she said is, what is a woman? And I fucking lost it. I was like, I was like, I was like, what? She was like, well, I've just never been confronted with all of this. And I've heard people talk about it. And I was wondering your opinion. I was like, you saw what? one man in a skirt. I need <laughs> you to like breathe. You're like, wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But I do think that's definitely part of growing up. Like, I remember the first time, like, I encountered the ball scene. I was like, I didn't even know this was all going on. You know what I mean? That's Yeah, that's fair. Like, like, until you're, like, in that world or, like, even adjacent to that world, you would never know. Well, apparently, there's another world we need to to learn about, which is the Tishmagev, who is a powerful swami. Because since Ah, Lauren can't read Angel and... You know, we're going to be skipping the Barry Manilow portion of this episode. <laughs> we have to go to this lo- other Swami. <laughs> I will say, I so I think we all know Angel uh, partly because of the era that it was made in, and partly because it's like a lot of white dudes running it. It's not the most culturally sensitive show sometimes. And the moment nope. I heard Lauren say Swami, I was like, oh no, what's going to happen? Like, I was really worried. Um, you were worried about how they were going to present it. Yeah, just I, mm-hmm. there were so many ways it could go wrong. And obviously this this little plot line pretzels itself into a, a weird justification later on. But I, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, but it was also deeply, deeply boring. Not to push us ahead, but uh, I this was like yellow flag for me. I was like, oh no, oh no. Yeah, it screams of the kind of like inclusion where it's like, it's a faint. Like it's it's like if they mentioned like, you know, I have a black friend, and then we never saw them. <laughs> it's like a really convenient way to, for them to be like, we're acknowledging the world, but we're not going to fuck it up because we're not going to do anything. Which <laughs> <laughs> is interesting, but I guess better than what happened to the Romani people on Buffy and <laughs> Angels. So, girl, <laughs> what are we going to do? Um, but in any event, Cordelia and Wesley will be holding down the office while Angel is running off to this swami. Wait, but we, we forgot the best part of that scene, though is when Angel's like, I don't have to sing. And Cordy's like, oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I think also David Boreanaz really plays the, like, Angel secretly does want to sing body language so well. He's like, oh, I I don't. But he doesn't overdo it. I, it's it's kind of perfect. Like I'm like, oh, he wants to sing, but he's not gonna. <laughs> I also love that Lauren knows he wants to sing, but also knows that's not a button to push with Angel. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. You can't just say it to him. So I'll be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so then we're back at the office, and there's a, a thug walks in, some kind of like hitman mob, uh, uh, heavy walks in, and he's like, I need Angel, and um. Wesley decides that that's who he is. <laughs> he is Angel, <laughs> uh, which is which I, is bold. I, I later on in the episode, Cordelia points out that Angel is a gender neutral name, and she just could have played Angel. And yeah. I kind of, I, I kind of think it's funny that that didn't occur to Wesley at all. He just was like, "I'm a man. I got to do it." <laughs> but his little his little like stumble into the room though was so I that I was like, see, that's not over. I was like, that's what I wanted right there. The little oh oh, oh I'm good like. <laughs> 
I'll be honest, if I had a knife to my throat and that's who walked in to kind of de-escalate the situation, I'd be like, oh, God, just stick it in quick. Like, let's be done. Like, this is not going to go well. Um, but he pulls it off a little bit at the beginning. It's nice. I will say he the the like the mafioso like I'm going to use a variety of words because I don't know what we're supposed <laughs> yeah. to be saying for like in gang enforcer. Um, <laughs> he, he he says like uh, oh I'll shoot you and Wesley's like you, that won't work I'm a freaking vampire and then Cordelia there he's like oh, I'll shoot Cordelia and it's like Cordelia you're a Medusa mega witch like just come up with something we're already lying (laughs) we're already yeah we're already lying here (laughs) um but in any event uh, Wesley puts on Angel's coat which hilariously is way too big for him I do think that him and David Boreanaz are probably a similar size in real life but I do like that the coat swallows like how much they they sell that because I'm just like he this coat looks way too big on him (laughs) you know yeah. Like, I'm like, is that, did they like have to actually just buy b- like bigger coat for this? Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> because I'm like, Wesley's not that small, but he looks I wonder so who got tiny. to keep the coat. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like Wesley always feels like three little boys stacked in an adult man's coat. And this episode <laughs> is giving that aesthetically as well, which I appreciate. Oh, yeah. Wesley Wyndham Vincent Adult Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so Wesley enters the mansion, uh, but he, you know, obviously he already starts thro- f- fucking things up. So he realizes he wasn't invited and he does like a fake throw himself out of the house. So, again, so good. I was like, okay. That's the kind of loosey goosey, like that's the, that's Wesley at his best, which is like, you know, he's, he's embracing who he is and still being effective and stuff rather than like the like weird performativeness or the complete laissez-faire, like whatever, Mm. like this is when it's so easy to root for Wesley. And I feel like we Mm. don't get enough of it in the show because he gets these storylines that like, we'll get there later in the show, but, and also kind of at the beginning that like kind of immobilized him emotionally, which I guess makes sense for who he is, but it's tougher to like, be like, yes, we're rooting for our main character, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. No, and I feel like Wesley definitely shines when he is paired up with Cordelia, too. I feel like their comedic sensibilities like complement each other really well in episodes where they kind of get a storyline together. So this was sort of fun to watch. I mean, again, going back to the I Am Spartacus demon battle uh, underground ring thing. Um, like, I think of the two of them posing as police officers trying to get in, in there um, to rescue Angel. And it's just so funny to see them play off of each other. So I like them as a comedic pair. I think they complement each other really well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the show is doing a better job of figuring out how to balance the cast. But I think at the mm. same time, those actors got really good with each other. And I think right. it, it results from like real bonding as much as like, we all know that that the cast was perhaps a little too close <laughs> behind the scenes of the two shows. I think like it, they really actually bonded as friends and coworkers in a way that like you can see on screen, which is not right. normally what happens on Buffy. Usually a side character comes in and has so much chemistry that they end up in the like intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the next episode. You're like, Oh, well, oh we're getting a lot of backstory for this woman who owns a cake shop (laughs) 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 who later marries buffy Uh, (laughs) so we find out that the reason that uh, wesley's been brought here is that this business magnate who runs a bunch of different he's basically logan roy he needs uh protection for his daughter because he believes that his business which is wizardry uh is under threat from competitors, particularly one guy named Paul Lanier. 
These are also the things I love about Angel, like a wizard mob man. I was like, of course, if in our era, like there was a wizard, there would be a black market for like spells that would run akin to the mafia. Like, I just really love this sort of um, framing of magic in the context of like 21st century shit. Um, yeah. These like weird yeah. little like mashups are really, really fun for me. It's yeah, much that's more true. urban fantasy than than Buffy ever was. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 I also think like it's interesting with um with these sorts of storylines that like on Buffy we got a rebellion against small town fascism in a lot of ways like small mindedness the police like authority figures but it was also like a celebration of small business in a way. Like Anya is <laughs> <laughs> Anya is an entrepreneurial little one, and like you know, Buffy suffers because she won't charge for she won't charge for her services the way Angel does. And like we, we just it, it, Xander has to start his own construction thing because it ends up working for someone else isn't great. And like it's a celebration really of small town. Uh, small towns and the businesses in them. <laughs> Whereas when we get to Angel, small businesses are still supported, but there's a larger critique of capitalism and mm. a larger critique of like political fascism. And mm. mm-hmm. it is an interesting, I grew up with Buffy and then I really liked Angel. But now, honestly, like the fifth time I'm watching Angel, I'm like, I'm old enough to understand the transition I went through with those themes. And it, God, Jane Espenson. God, I like I, she, her galaxy mind meme. Like it's so good. I really liked. I really liked it, and I really like the like Wolfram and Hart stuff. I think all of that works so well for the show. It's so good. So this scene though is the one thing I love is when he gets his blood. Oh God! And then you know he he really like kind of pulled the the act through, and then at the end of like him say he says this is nummy. What what the <laughs> of all words? Like he's been playing it so cool, and then he says "nummy," and I'm like, "Come on, be your most ancient academic <laughs> self because you're an ancient vampire." You know what I mean? <laughs> be like, this is a delectable, uh, uh, whatever. Like, uh, I'm imbibing a delectable, sumptuous liquid. Like, whatever could be angel. <laughs> "Nummy" is probably the only word you could have picked. Like, come on. <laughs> like the Charlie Puth of vampires. He's just like, I'm hungies. Give me the nummy blood. Like, I can't. <laughs> it's so gross. Oh, God. I Ugh. also doubt, even if you liked the taste of blood, that you would say nummy to it. Nummy is like little <laughs> yeah. treat. That's what I'm saying. Like, why nummy? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, meanwhile, Angel is arriving at Tishmagev's cabin and he finds a swami who does not look like what a stereotypical swami would look like. So us, the audience, have been both implied to be racist because they were planning to be <laughs> racist, but also have had our <laughs> racist assumptions subverted, which I guess presumes that we had them, which it's, it, you know, I'm not saying it's not an effective device. I'm just saying of all the effective devices, interesting, we chose this one. <laughs> I feel like it's like better than like casting people in a racist trope in some ways, totally. but it's also like a white guy who fishes. Like I was immediately like, what is this choice? Which obviously like it's quote unquote justified later this episode, but I, I was deeply confused. I, I, it, yeah, of two minds on this, this decision. It was a strange like setup and then reversal to what end. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. I like Angel in a, in a cabin though. Anytime we have Angel doing mask stuff, it's very like, 
It's like when men do anything, I just always think, like, shouldn't you be building a house? Why can't you forge <laughs> fresh water? Should you be, like, <laughs> gathering food? Like, be productive if you want to be masculine and healthy. Like, why are you not? Um, and I like that for Angel. I also think it, like, anytime he's out in his body, he gets more done than when he's sitting stewing with a little book. Mm. Um, so, and I think that that's core to his character. I think, I think my reaction to the door answering, and then I was just like, oh, father figure, let's go. You know, and like the way he's talking to him and it's like, oh, you know, you can come in or you can't come in. What are you going to do? Like, you know, Angel could have just left, but he just yeah. walked away from the door. And I'm just like, yes, give me that. Like, I need this dad energy. And that, that's kind of <laughs> that's that, that was my like first reaction of like when it started. I'm like, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, Angel's absolutely. a dad who needs a dad. Yeah, that's yeah, the, that's the, the underlying uh, and, and, of, and it's like yeah. all of us who watch are just like, OK, we'll take the We'll take the dad figure. <laughs> I think it's interesting that Angel's such a bad father to everything he was supposed to have like sired or like <laughs> created. Like he's a terrible father. But the second any other terrible father shows up, he's like, yeah. What, what what should I do? Oh, okay. <laughs> Consistent, I see. Speaking of bad fathers, Mr. Bryce oh. introduces Wesley to his daughter, Virginia, who is hot, a sexy, and fly. She, uh, Wesley nearly screws up again because he sees a mirror in her room, which is kind of delightful. And I liked his, like, logicking his way into his own reaction. I was like, that's very Wesley to just quick be like, well, if they were to enter and I was to turn to the left and the wind blew, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I also, I feel like the actress that plays Virginia, the daughter in this, I have seen in something Marvel related. I could not place her and I did not IMDb her before this episode. But I feel like she was the the mom on a Hulu series. Uh, oh, it was the Runaways. That's what it was. Sorry, oh. I just I've oh. seen anytime I see someone in like sci-fi fantasy hero stuff, I'm like that face, that face. Um, I've seen her in a lot of stuff, but this is like I love seeing actors that I've seen like now um, in roles like like random guest star roles twenty years earlier. Um, oh, hell so it's yeah, like, you should yeah. watch Charmed. Oh. <laughs> I talk about it on this podcast all the time. But what a weird show. <laughs> truly the cameos on charmed um and then um oh my god what's her name um from the flight attendant who played one of the like new blonde oh, witches kaylee kuoka yeah that's kaylee where Kuoko. my feet my feud with her started on that show <gasps> this is for another podcast i was in i i me and kaylee kuoka she didn't know about it we were in a feud for so long um and now ever since the flight attendant harley quinn recent developments i'm a real kuoka nut i like i'm a total kaylee head i'm a kale I'm a kale head. It, she's so good. It wasn't the Big Bang Theory that did it for you. You really no, had to no. wait till the flight attendant. Good, good, good. That was my proof that she was a demon. I was like, she's not a witch. She's a demon. Like I was like, you can tell her works upon this earth. <laughs> um. In any event, in any event, everyone should watch Veronica Mars. It's very weird when Paris <sighs> Hilton shows up. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, this is turning into a Veronica Mars podcast now. We'll be recapping the episode where Paris Hilton shows up. <laughs> um well, no. In this episode, <laughs> we find out that we also find out that this woman Virginia never really leaves her house. She reads a lot of books and she's very she's really cloistered because of her father's position. 
Um, and she seems very emotionally desperate for connection. So she immediately proposes that her and her new bodyguard, who she's pretending not to like, but who clearly she needs the social interaction of, um, should go shopping. Right. It, it, that was the first reaction. Like, let's go shopping. Yeah, she was like, you know, want to bond? <laughs> okay, over an activity? Sure. Um, Wesley, of course, was like, could we go in the morning? And she was like, no, you're an eternal vampire. And he was like, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> still didn't blow his cover. Yeah, so he's, st- he's still falling into his role here, you know? He's warming up. <laughs> uh, back at the hotel, uh, Cordelia is getting Gunn to rescue Wesley. Uh, but in order to do that, they se- she sends Gunn to go get Angel from the Swami, who moments ago she was happy he was going to see. But obviously they need their 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 uh, their uh, heavy metal uh, hero. And then uh, then they end up at the at the store. I do I do love when they they go shopping. We are introduced to I I whenever something is named and pointed out early on in the episode, I'm like, oh, this is gonna come back. And for me, the thing that stuck out was this. Um, what was it? She's like shopping for her dad and she wants to find something featuring a, a goddess named Yeska, which to mm-hmm. me, I, uh, again, sounded like a very Puerto Rican name, uh, which I loved, but that is not the case. Yeah, apparently he is, she's some kind of horrible, like, you know, gross goddess, which is interesting to me that that people in magical circles never seem to take as an, like, Every time they're worshiping a deity that is not like Gaia, the giver of feminine energy, it's not good. <laughs> so never I, has I, been. <laughs> if I had any magical training and someone was like, well, this is for my goddess, I'd be like, well, you've got to die, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, they're talking about Virginia's relationship with her father and Wesley is playing with a crucifix because, again, cannot get into role. And she is like, hey, doesn't that hurt? And it's funny. It's one of those Jane Espenson moments where it's like she's talking about herself. But no, it's a, it's about the thing he's holding, which then he's like, yes, it does hurt. Hot, 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 hot. And then he drops it into some water and he's like, cold, 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 cold. <laughs> you know, <laughs> still falling into his role. He's, he's working on it. <laughs> I also like that we're at some like Buffy versus Los Angeles version of Diagon Alley. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah, we really don't no. even know where. That this store is like truly we just and- we just show up in the store like i was like i was like oh is this a room in in the house because she never really leaves the house you know yeah how does she know where to go shopping if she never leaves and you'd think if there was a store like that like a store full of wizardry or like magical objects first off she should have a pile of them if she really thinks she's under some kind of threat but second why isn't cordelia there just buying like potions and exploding magical beans and like whatever i would i would be armed to the teeth and they're usually holding like a medieval mace so i guess it's for the workout or something (laughs) i will say this is where i sort of like really got into or sort of like identified the the running game with wesley the like heightening the the messed up vampire things that he keeps forgetting and this was the first one i genuinely genuinely laughed at i thought it was a good way to like kind of heighten that gag throughout the episode which was good I think it was also the first one that I did not clock immediately what he was right. doing that was wrong. Yeah. Like, wait, so, what? What's wrong? <laughs> cold, 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 cold. Like, just great delivery. No notes. The Lucille Ball of yeah. the Buffyverse. <laughs> yes. Uh, so then they're at the store and two other gangstery, you know, uh, what, 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 what other word could I use? Sopranos types show up and they are trying to steal Virginia, but then they realize Angel's with her, a vampire. And clearly there's nothing to fight a vampire with. <laughs> and they, they definitely seem surprised. They're like, oh, Angel. Oh, so so it's good to know that like Angel's name is out there. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. He's building a little bit of a reputation. You yeah. know, the Slayer preceded itself. Angel's going to need some reputation management, a little PR. Yeah, a- Angel, yeah, Angel needs some PR for sure. So then we've got Angel and Tishmagev fighting with staffs and discussing Angel's inner demon and whether he's fighting with himself or the demon or the world. And this is when he starts to realize that something might be a little bit off about the Tishmagev because he smells a little blood. Of course he would. I also love that Angel's like moments of bonding with other men usually happen during some sort of combative exchange. Like I feel like like Angel's respect for Gun happened after they like threw down. He's like bonding with the the fake Tishmagev guy through like sparring. It's like Angel's only way of, of forming male friendships is to include some form of fighting or physical. Yeah, like, like you aggression. had to do yeah. the fight. Like, what does this have to do with anything? But yeah. I think like one of the things here is like even though this is like the fake, you know, Tishmagev here, it's still bringing up good points mm. for Angel. Yeah, they do a good job on these shows of giving the villains like a real worldview or something to actually say. Um, which is great because, of course, the heroes don't want to hear it because it's surrounded by a bunch of lies and obfuscations, and, like stupid bullshit. Um, and I think that it's the the best quote unquote filler episodes are the ones where they do that effectively for someone that we're not going to see again. Right, right. But like he's like even saying like like you are you are you know part of the demon inside. Like that is you. And like I'm like okay, but this is the this is the face fake taste McGavin, that's a good point like you can control it because it is you you know like yeah so like to me it's just like i'm like okay okay so <laughs> we're not gonna ever go back and think oh he was right even though <laughs> he's terrible that is part of the fun of this episode right that we have these sort of parallels where like um, both the Tish McGev and wesley are sort of pretending to be something they're not but accidentally kind of help the person they're lying to realize something about themselves like they sort of stumble into giving the people they're paired off with like what they need even though they're not the person that individual was seeking out um hence the name of the episode guys will be guys but i i really think they do a good job of like without being too heavy-handed about it it's like you know both of these people who aren't what they say they are are actually exactly what you needed in that moment to sort of um stumble upon the the realization or or this like moment of uh, kind of grasping onto whatever you needed to, even if they're not what what you sought out to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting that it's like you both of these people can be people they never thought they could be. And at the same time, Angel is the thing that he most vehemently says he's not. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like uh, it's interesting because it it is a thing that's true. And that you on the side of like good or trying to help people or whatever can accept that there is darkness in everybody. But the like bad or antisocial types of the world will try to tie that into like, well, you should be nihilistic or then you should be like selfish or whatever it is. Like you should give into it because it's natural. And it's like, no, it's it's we can't know good without like knowing bad really well. That's what you're supposed to pick up from it. Not to like be your worst self. It's not an excuse, but we don't get the end of that message. We don't get that for angel, but we kind of do get a little of it for Wesley because I think he realizes like 90% of angel is just like being confident and going into the world and doing things. And if it fucks up, then it fucks up. But like, if it doesn't, then you got something and sitting on your ass isn't going to get you anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like adult life stuff. And I, I don't know. <laughs> Always. 
it's it's fun because I feel like, especially with these villains, we don't always, I don't know, we don't always get something deeper. Sometimes it's just to keep them the plot spinning for more jokes and stuff. Well, it goes back to what you said earlier, right? Like framing this more soundly in the real world and having this sort of like these magical conceits clashing with the realities of like modernity and like capitalism and like needing to survive in a city where it's like the income inequality and like wealth distribution is so lopsided. It's like you kind of have to, it gives things a, a little more weight, right? Like the, the weight of operating in the world um, feels more real and like a little more tangible than it did in Buffy. Cause mm. uh, you know, I mean, which I is think, good and bad because you exactly. can do things, but things can happen to you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> things can happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> the stakes. Speaking of the stakes, we find out that Tish McGav hey. is working for Lanier and, and he doesn't know how long he can keep this whole charade going. And like, you know what I like about this is that you think you're putting the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Like of what's happening, but not totally yet. Mm. Like you don't know the whole big picture yet. But yeah, because when you find out, you're like, oh, it is, it is Lanier that's that's you know orchestrating all of this, and and I mean, I guess you found that out in the store, but like you think you know why at this point, mm. but you don't yet. Mm-hmm. Back at the hotel, Cordelia makes her own discovery by going through the mugshots of the police database, and she realizes that. After, you know, giving in to her normal self, (laughs) she looks at a tabloid magazine and realizes the information she needed would have been there all along if she just (laughs) procrastinated, which is a great message for me personally. (laughs) (laughs) If you just procrastinated, you could have you could have come up with this. Um, And she discovers that the gunman is in the photo with Bryce in Virginia. So she realizes like how all of this is starting to come together that maybe it isn't so uh it, it isn't all as it seems wesley then takes virginia back to her room um and she talks about you know how angry and frustrated and cooped up she is uh how she's been like basically living as a prisoner and you know as as perfect proof while that when they walk up to her room there's mystical looking guards around it and they grab virginia and they stun wesley and Wesley, who obviously is now finally feeling his oats because he's got an emotional reason to, which is a woman, but any, in any event, he uh, starts to fight off the attackers. And he does a good job. He like, does a pretty good job. He steps up for a second. And this is why it's like, you do have it in you, Wesley. Be more confident with yourself. Jeez. He, he was trained for this. He was part of an elite order of old British dudes. It's, you know, he's just gotta, <laughs> just gotta tap into that potential. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh, also, Wesley, you've seen how these things usually play out. And and if someone isn't ready to have the full choreographed dance battle, it's mostly about just getting in there first and being really scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you just bonk them on the head and then they'll be out for 48 hours as some kind of yeah, medical mystery. Yeah, easy peasy. <laughs> <laughs> but back at the cabin, um, Angel and the Tishmagev, as he still believes him to be, are... Uh, discussing Darla and their fishing and they're kind of talking about you know more of how Angel hates himself <laughs> it's about abuse it's about um, it's about men being abused in some ways and I think it it's fruitful and maybe it, miss, it makes me wish we got a season long bad guy who could have been this role to Angel as opposed to a season long son where Angel's kind of doing <sighs> the opposite to someone else yeah <laughs> What I will say about this episode, too, is like I appreciate the emotional resonance of what happened with Darla in the last episode carrying into this one. It's sort of like 
takes it beyond the kind of monster of the week feeling we were getting in season one and makes it feel like a little more serialized, which is nice. Like, I just I hate starting episodes of shows where it's like everyone feels like they've emotionally reset and forgotten about the episode before. So on that hand, like I do think this episode is doing something for me in terms of taking time to flesh out Angel's emotional journey. I don't necessarily know if like, like you said, that that journey and that choice is like playing for me um, as strongly as like other choices could have. But for how filler heavy this episode is, like that's maybe the one thread that I do appreciate, right? That we're like carrying through this emotional arc and um, doing that like more consistently throughout the season. It is nice to see some, some emotions trying to be processed mm. through the characters. Like, for sure. Like, yeah, especially because, like, I think the struggle with Angel as a character, the struggle with Buffy is to make her grounded, but Sarah Michelle Gellar makes it look really easy. The struggle with Angel is to make him look fleshed out and emotionally available to an audience while still being like vulnerable, but while still being really guarded, masculine, quiet, stoic vampire guy. Like, it's hard to land. And I think they do a really good job of creating little reservoirs in the story where we can get some of that while still keeping it cut off from some people in his life other than like Cordelia to really see that part of him. And it's interesting the way that they like solve that problem a bunch of times in the show. But I think isolating Angel is definitely a pattern we see. And this is the most the biggest moment where we see how isolated he is because he disagrees with what the Tish McGev supposedly says about like, just find someone else to fuck. <laughs> That'll fix it. Um, and he's like, wait, that doesn't sound right. And you realize he is really alone with this guy that he barely knows. He's not like really with someone. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think they underlined that well by also like kind of moving our plot forward, which is always the best when you can nail both in one couple lines <laughs> or whatever. Also, the Tishmagev has this very like pointed or the fake Tishmagev has this very pointed line that seems to like kind of reference Buffy says something about like breaking a little blonde girl's heart or woman's heart. And I'm like, does he know about Buffy or is this just this, one of these like meta moments so where he's like so specific? It, it like actually there's got to be gossip. There's yeah. got to be gossip. <laughs> to me, it, to me I, I really think they, they've already like like talked multiple times about like oh we know who you are like so mm-hmm. i think they absolutely know his history yeah if they've got magical target or magical kmart they've definitely got like magical hello magazine and buffy's on the cover every <laughs> week <laughs> always on the cover just just like magical paparazzi like appearing in her room like i just wow <laughs> if we had gotten like like similar to superstar which also this episode reminds me of the jonathan superstar episode where he pretends to be like a badass hero oh, yeah. magic <laughs> but also if we had gotten like that style episode where buffy is britney oh my god what a, oh. what a uh. When will AI generate this? Yes. I need an episode where Buffy shaves her head and breaks a car window. She should have done that instead of going to the diner. I would have totally been on board. Yes. <laughs> a righteous force for light in this world. Anyway, Virginia and Wesley end up back at Virginia's room where she's like, I'm moving out. And it ends up that they don't because they want to kiss and, and be kissy kissy nummy nummy first. Ew. And uh, Wesley bring him back the nummy nummy. <laughs> Not that callback, yeah. (laughs) Wesley decides to tell her the full truth and nothing but the truth, but then he can't because of all the, like, squishy little wet nummy-nummy kisses from uh, Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) But this is another thing where she knows about the curse. So, yeah, they they all know about Angel. Yeah. 
And I think, you know, it is a good point to keep raising, especially for the writers on this show, that like Angel can have sex. He just can't be happy. <laughs> it can't be good sex. Yeah, like like I was just wondering, is is that a line that that Wesley's gonna say? Like, like, hey, you're not gonna make me fully happy. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? You can get by on bad sex for a long time, I will tell you. (laughs) (laughs) The next morning, we have Gunn arriving to pick up Angel. He's finally gotten there, but he doesn't get more than two lines in with Tish McGev before that guy knocks him over the head, which, poor planning, because, of course... Angel's gonna realize. I mean, he's at least gonna smell gun at some point. Yeah, Angel so I don't know doesn't what he sleep. But like, what did he think? <laughs> he's, in the, he's in the shitter. Like, what do you? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, what did he think he was doing? Like, <laughs> this is a, a weird aside, but there's like a, a logo on the car or the truck that Gun is driving that looks like a weird little like diamond, and it like took me back to the specific late '90s, early 2000s era. I don't know like what brand this logo is associated with, but it's a sticker on the window of a car, and it just feels like it's like a skating brand or like a surfing brand. Do you know what I'm talking about? Did I like? Uh, I did not see it too strongly. Okay, but I will say noticing stuff like that is like a hundred percent my game so the fact that i didn't means that as a shame for me and i'm sure you did and i'm sure it was some kind of like 90s surfing brand or like they made like bodyboards. Oh, it's the volcom <laughs> the volcom yeah. thank you yeah skating Perfect. that's skating. what it is it's a skater brand but it's like little things don't like, worry y'all uh, have the episode up here <laughs> thank just... you yes i wrote it down i was like <laughs> weird diamond shape on car and then i was like what was i thinking of yeah you are oh. correct yeah that's perfect that's exactly that <laughs> <laughs> it was but it was like it just took me back i was like oh duh this was shot like almost two decades ago that's why they don't have instagram and can't figure out what angel looks like like hello we're back like just little details like that that really like ground me in the the era watching like years and years later a lot of fun i was like i'm 12 mm-hmm. years old again and um watching david Boreanis uh in a tank top and masturbating to that because that's all i get uh <laughs> <laughs> god we were all doing the same thing and none of us talked about it. That just stumbled into being a gay icon out of lack of <laughs> any on TV at the moment. Ugh. I I will say I do wonder what the Angel Investigation social strategy would have been. I know that Cordelia would have had them on threads already. Cordelia would have <laughs> bullied him into TikToks by this point. We would have had an episode oh my of God. Angel trying to learn a dance. You know what I mean? Like Angel doing TikToks. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. I love this. I feel like, you know, if we could have listen, we'll get there, but if we could get Fred on TikTok, we would be in business. <laughs> the like hyper fixation information dumping, pff, that shit flies over there. <laughs> So then we, uh, Angel obviously realizes that the Tishmagev is not real, but the Tishmagev is in sunlight. So he's like, you can't get me. No, 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 no. Okay. But he this, is, I did not like this. Oh yeah. What's about to happen. Mm. Well, because this has happened to me before. Wait, really? <laughs> Which yeah. Part? The, the, the fishing, the fishing line in the lip. <gasps> no. Oh, it fucking happened to me. Sorry, I need to know a little bit more about this. Not to deviate, but I'm like, how and why and what? Well, the, the the short story of it is that, you know, I was a kid and I was just walking by someone about to swing their fishing <gasps> rod to cast it. No. <gasps> no. <laughs> oh, yeah. It got me. 
No. So there oh you go. That's God. it. That's all. But the, so when that happened, I was like, <laughs> the good part is the barb didn't go all the way through. Oh, okay. You could just oh. pull it out. So that, it was good. But it was so close. To, <laughs> so close. I got really hooked on a a fishing hook once, but it was my leg and it, it was like one that I guess it wasn't like, I, maybe it didn't go through or maybe it just wasn't very large. Cause I pulled it out myself, but I was in the water. I was like 50 feet off of the shore and it was oh, because no. it was, it got caught on a buoy and I swam next to the buoy. Cause I was like, Oh, well this is the furthest I can go and I'll go back. And then I tried to go back and I got pulled back and I was like, what the fuck is pulling me? Like, I was like, it's Ursula. She's come. And is I her? had to like, pull it out of my own leg and I got to shore and explained what had happened and then someone explained to me that it was obviously a fish hook and I was like oh oh my god I thought like some kind of weird creature <laughs> that's so funny uh, um, but yeah so so that's why like when that happened I was like Ugh! like because it, it's just a really quick too like how he catches them but yeah it is very the lip I couldn't even look at it in the episode I can't even imagine well uh, after that goes down, Wesley is, uh, you know, rolling out of bed, a little worse for wear, about to ask Virginia how she likes her eggs. Uh, he gets <laughs> dressed, and actually, he doesn't ask Virginia how how she likes her eggs, because he just fucking left. <laughs> just not, not good guy behavior, Wesley. Angel wouldn't have done that. But in any event, he leaves, and he runs into Cordelia, who has arrived to save him. Or you think. Does she or lawyer her way into the, the mansion as well? Or are So they, they like, mention this, which is really funny. Like, so this is like, you know, walking in the front door again. And she said, and, you know, Wesley was like, how did you get in? She was oh, like, yeah. I just told him I, I, I'm, I work for Angel. Also, like, I like that that was her first try, too. She was like, well, I'll try the front door. And then if that doesn't work, I'll turn around, walk around a big circle and then try something else. <laughs> it's, it's that it's that it's that confident privilege again, you know? <laughs> yeah, truly. Yeah. And then you find out they, you know, they knew. Yeah, that they knew she was coming in, that they this was a trap all along. They have realized that they are not who they say they are, or at least Wesley isn't. And Virginia is so furious to find out that she did not have any magical protection, no vampires around her. Um, which again, you just said you know how to do magic a bunch of times. Maybe we, you know, put up our own fisticuffs every once in a while. Uh, but yeah, she's mad to find that out. She is feels betrayed because she finally like met a guy and like had a relationship outside of this whole horrible situation that she's apparently in. This is all building up to a birthday party that seems very sinister and he's going to make it like, he's like, it's going to be the time of our life or something. And we get this like sort of the audience now knows that Mm -hmm. something is wrong, but we, I don't think the characters know yet. No, the characters don't, but yeah, the audience now knows that she's going. Nobody's popping out of a cake. (laughs) That no, or I guess somebody is. <laughs> I guess somebody really horrible is popping out of a cake. But actually, yeah. Um, so then they get back to the hotel uh, at the same time as uh, Angel and Gone, and they catch each other up on everything that happened. And in doing so, they realize that it was Lanier that sent the fake Tish Megev, uh, and who told Bryce the truth about Angel, and that they're going to be making like the the moves will be made linear will it will all go down at the 50th birthday party is what they believe at this point here's where i'm like a little confused and maybe i'm overthinking it so lauren was the one that originally suggested going to the tishmagev so did mm-hmm. linear know that lauren suggested that and like sent a dude to kill him anyway or like had they killed the tishmagev a long time ago and we're just hoping 
like Angel would show up. This is the part where I'm like, I know he was pulling the strings, but like, how could he have known that part? And maybe I'm just being a little spoil sport and overthinking it. Please but tell also, me. But also, I don't think I don't think Lanier was part of any of this, right? Like, it was like Bryce sent, but then Bryce thought he had Angel. So this is all very confusing. I don't know how any of that worked either. I feel silly now that thinking about it because. I guess it had the beats of a reveal, but I wasn't really paying attention to the logistics. Speaking of logistics, this is when we discover that Yeska isn't a goddess. Of course not. She's a Davrick demon. Um, But they don't know exactly any of the details about what a Davrick demon is. No, no, because Wesley Wesley then knows. knows. Yes, Wesley And Wesley seriously puts it together, though, that then Wesley knows. Like, I swear, Wesley, sometimes your brain just doesn't work when it needs to. (laughs) uh, Yeah, definitely. And I also think if I found out that the wizard was worshipping anybody, I feel like if I was Wesley, my first instinct would be to, like, call someone and find out what it is like like the thing when he says like on the 50th birthday i'm like you didn't even have a book for that so you knew that all along (laughs) (laughs) also what's yeska's deal she's like you know i i have a silver daddy thing like what's going on why is it gotta be 50 (laughs) well that's what i'm saying i was like you gotta wait 50 years to make a sacrifice and then hope it pays off for the years you have left I'm like, that's a little late in the game to be making a sacrifice to, like, obtain power or live your best life. I'm like, find me a demon where I can sacrifice at the age of 21 and take advantage. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, this is not a sustainable business model. This is not. not. No. No. Well, so then they realize that they're going to be sacrificing Virginia and that she has been preserved. Uh, Her horrible (laughs) life this whole time has been all leading up to this. Um, And that Lanier... Lanier was trying to abduct Virginia to prevent the sacrifice. Mm, Not to really save, uh, not to really save her, but to stop Bryce from getting all that power from the demon, which I assume is like magical power. Um, Then of course, Wesley runs out to rescue Virginia and comes up with a whole plan. But you know, Angel's like, Hey, I'm the leader, but you know, Wesley's our leader this time around. He's, he's grown. He's changed. He knows the situation best. Let him do this. And uh, very sweetly, I think Angel lets him do this while at the same time, every time he turns his back, he goes, if I say a code word, I need you to run to my right. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up with some background plan. But anyway, back at the party, uh, Virginia notices that there's this crazy weird sculpture in the middle of the room. And as someone who's never encountered witchcraft or wizardry before, has no (laughs) idea what it is. Uh, But then she eventually puts together the pieces that he's going to be summoning Yeska. And she realizes, wait a minute, Yeska, that demon who, and then, you know, the only thing anybody knows about her, which is that she takes sacrifices on the 50th birthday. She's like, I I couldn't have realized this either. I just knew my dad was turning 50 and worshipped this lady. Nothing else would have been obvious. Also with her, when she said she reads so much, I'm like, what do you read? Like, you never really talked about what you read. Did you read about magic? Like, you knew your dad loved it? Babysitter's Club. Yeska? Babysitter's Club. (laughs) It's all Babysitter's Club. (laughs) The boxcar children. Like, absolutely, yeah, right? Like... (laughs) She's she's reading Goosebumps, which isn't even based on real supernatural stuff in that world. (laughs) This, I, I think this does point out, like, sort of a lost opportunity in this episode. Like, if you are like the leader of like a black market spells and potions kind of like wizard industry. I would expect the family to like incorporate more magic into their day-to-day life. Like, I know we have these like sort of mystical looking guards and stuff, but this is definitely a, a big question I have with Virginia in general. It's like, she seems to have no magical capabilities, no magical knowledge, no familiar familiarity with anything related to magic. 
I'm like, I don't know, even like a little, a little glamour spell, a little potion, just a little something, you know what I mean? Give me like mm-hmm. a peppering of, of these magic capabilities. So I, I definitely like, I feel what y'all are feeling. I, I feel like there should be a little bit more of um, a background in magic for this character. And I think for they a reason a not to. Like, what right, if he told exactly. her, you don't have any powers? Like, it, it it only goes to the men in the family or whatever. And I know we kind of did that with I mean, the only thing they kind of hinted towards is that she hated magic because of mm-hmm. her dad or something like oh, that. Because it's what keeps How convenient for her dad. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, took, it took the love away from her. You know what I mean? And he loves magic, not her, kind of. that. That's kind of the vibe she gave mm. in the store, I believe, when they started talking about it. Yeah. The magic store. I guess. But, but I think if I was born with incredible it. athletic ability and my parent was like a narcissist athlete, I would still maybe use it if self-defense. I don't, I don't know. Right, right. Like like learn what what's happening. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. But in any event, it doesn't matter because Angel Investigations, led by Wesley, burst into the room to save her. And um, they, they pull her away from the guards. But Jessica's already there and she's ready to go on her little nummy, nummy treat. great way to bring it all together the nummies are like truly thank you so much also i gotta say i love yeska's like just general vibe and character design i miss this era of like practical effects and makeup like i just she's a tangible gross demon and i like i love feeling like supernatural things are like like you can see the texture and the like, you can almost smell her kind of, you know what I mean? It's like, I just miss this era of TV. If Jessica were CGI'd, it would not have the same resonance for me. I would not be as happy. Yeah, that's because it fair. would have just been like a floating ghouly ghosty with that's like transparent and a lot of smoke so they could keep it really cheap. Yes. Yeah, it would have been horrible. Yeah. Uh, but it ends up, Jessica's not long for this fucking party. She's going to Irish exit because <laughs> there's no virgins present because, oh, yeah, Wesley slept with her. But not even that ends up, you know, don't even make any assumptions. She's an, a woman on the prowl and she's already done that. The chauffeur. What a <laughs> what a great line delivery. The chauffeur, daddy. Oh, God. I mean, truly, if I had a chauffeur and he was hot. That is a very intimate location and a lot of time to spend together. I can <laughs> see how it happened. You know, obviously it's a me too. Obviously that's inappropriate at work. But um, I have thought about it with an Uber driver before. So <laughs> go get it, Virginia. <laughs> but I mean, everything's inappropriate about like, and I, you just, I'm just like, come on, seriously? Yeah. Like, like the whole, like, because it says like the chauffeur. When I was 16, I'm like, come on. Oh, yeah. yeah. God, you're right. Because the chauffeur would have been an adult. I assume she was just like, I hooked up with another teenager. But you're, God, ew. That's, yeah. I yeah. guess I just oh, didn't man. register 16 because my brain is so cooked at this point by oh, horrible yeah. media representations of young women that in my mind, I was like, older than Ariel. Oh, she's <laughs> older than Ariel. Even the whole, like virgin impure i'm like jeez. yeah that did actually hit my ears in one particular way because i was like why do you know this about your daughter weirdo right and then she lists off a list she gave a list of the family staff that she's fucked too which makes (laughs) me think like first off yeah this is part of the pattern we need to get you into some kind of therapy but also like man i guess lucky you're wizards because those people would sue you out of business buddy but it's it's funny too because she mentions someone I forget someone's name and then one of those little like cloaked wizard like scurries out <laughs> yeah from <Yeah>. the room. <laughs> Good for her. You know, I like a gal that knows what she wants. Yeah, I do. She knows uh, what she wants. I do appreciate the kind of inversion of the like impurity that it's like not something she's ashamed of and she's very matter of fact about it. 
But I feel like it's is oftentimes the case with the show that sort of inversion of the sexist trope like doesn't quite like go far enough or counteract it enough for me. It still leaves an icky taste in my mouth. I'm like, she's not a virgin. She's impure. And I was like, okay, these thousand year old rituals like obviously like we're not using that language. This isn't how we think about the world now. So like that kind of like um push against that i appreciated but it was like it felt very like mealy mouth kind of like i've actually had a lot of sex and i'm empowered and i was like yes but more like give me a little yeah it was yeah a, a explain strange, to like, me that virginity is fake and literally exactly nobody, like nobody's a virgin nobody isn't a virgin yeah. it's so stupid oh um but in any event we didn't do that we talked instead about how angel is a eunuch once again whether or not angel can have sex becomes the focus of anyone else's sexuality of course of thanks, course thanks angel and he had to he had to say it like four or five times he kept it kept going cretting back to him he's like i'm not a eunuch it's like show it <laughs> off then then show it off put up or shut up um a few then we've got like uh, a, a final scene where Cordelia finds out that Wesley by dating Virginia has shown up in all the gossip pages next to Shiv Roy. And she's really mad about that. Um, and Angel's like, cool it. All right. Don't be so jealous. And then he finds out that Wesley's getting credit as a uh, career man, bodyguard to the stars. And Angel's <laughs> upset about that because guess what? Being a petty, envious little monster is also part of the adult experience and you just have to embrace it. <laughs> like both of them have their moment of like Cordelia is just like oh he's he's getting like he's so famous and then and then Angel's just like he's not a bodyguard to the stars like they all have their reason to be jealous and they're both very different reasons I also think it's like it's it's kind of good that we got um some kind of payoff for Wesley putting himself out there, not just a series of embarrassing moments, a series of embarrassing moments that led to like a success, which translated into like some acclaim and like good feedback. And I think that that is true of probably all the writers who wrote the show. And I Mm. think that that's a nice like lesson for not just creatives, but anyone that like, if I don't know when people complain about how there's nobody to date and you live in New York city, I'm always like, well, maybe you just don't know how to be vulnerable in that way. And you don't have to be, or maybe you don't want to be, but like you do increase your chances of anything happening to you. Like, you know, I, my own career, I I think about that all the time. Like, what if I didn't, what if I'd put myself out there harder, faster, because Mm -hmm. now I'm seeing results from doing it. And it's interesting that like, I don't know, we focus on all the bumbling missteps as they happen so much without realizing that like every street you kind of turn down that isn't for you leads you somewhere pretty good. And I think it's cool to watch like Wesley, who always seems so adult and well-read and learned and know it all, like actually have some growth because again, we don't get a ton of that with him. Cordelia is constantly learning, growing, changing, you know, she is on her on her path to to uh, both dis- d- being a girl boss and destroying the concept of girl bossery, but Wesley, we don't <laughs> like get any of that. Like we just get this guy who's like stewing yeah. in different kinds of masculinity, you know. And we and we I, yeah, we definitely get that here. So like that's great. Yeah, I do feel like this. Uh, now that you're mentioning that, like sort of like I don't know, Wesley's kind of realizing he can do this on his own. I do think this sort of sets a scene for like the development of his character much later in the series, right? Where he does kind of go out on his own and, and it's almost like he's been like hardened by these first few seasons. So it's like, it is kind of interesting that I think this sort of plants the seed for Wesley's later character development in a way I hadn't thought of when I was just watching the whole series through. Cause I was just like going episode by episode, but mm-hmm. I do think this connects to a lot of what happens with him 
later in the series when he's like a lot more like jaded and broody and like angry at the world, which was like not a fun character shift for me. But I think in terms of the plot and what he was doing, it's it's sort of interesting to see that these little moments might have been like what led him to believe that he could kind of like do shit on his own. Yeah. Well, now let's talk about a little bit of a wrap up. Mm. What was your favorite scene in this episode? Let's go Jason first. Oh, boy. My favorite scene, honestly, and is, is so we, we kind of skipped over, is when Angel first walks into the uh, fake Tishmagev house, when he sits down, where they're, where they're having that first conversation, it felt like the fans were the fake Tishmagev because the questions were, why do you hate yourself? You drive a convertible, like, yeah, in, in L.A., and he's like, and then it's like, why do you always wear black? You can't see your reflection. Like, it was just uh-huh. all of those things. I was just like, this is kind of like the fans asking the questions that, like, we all <laughs> we all wondered, you know? So I don't know why that 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 is just my favorite scene. And plus, again, the dad vibes. Yeah, I, I felt like that scene was very reflective. Like, maybe Jane Espenson went to her first really good therapist and was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> got my ass. Um, and I liked, I loved that. And I, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Gabe, what's your favorite scene? Um, I sort of had um, two moments in two different scenes that I really loved. The first is obviously when Cordelia puts her glasses down and reveals that she pretended to be a lawyer to get into Wolfram Hart. <laughs> like just love that really, truly flawless, effortless reveal. And then at the very end of the scene, when Lauren is talking to Angel about uh, visiting the Tishmagev, he turns to the businessman who's been singing, um, I got you, babe. And he, I think he says, Sheriffic. Sheriffic yeah. work or sheriffic job, guys, something like that. And I just really yeah. loved, I loved that. I thought it was so stupid. I cackled more than I should have, but I really enjoyed <laughs> that. That little button at the end of that scene was really great. I love mm. the pansexual, like queer femme. I mean, not, it's not even coding at that point. It's just femme energy yeah. that Lauren gets to exude. Like it's never so explicit, but we, and that sucks, but we do see like, he admires the beauty of one of the new waiters and he says sheriffic and he is desperate mm-hmm. to share Barry Manilow Angel's top voice or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> it's giving very like Liberace, Walter Mercado kind of, you know what I mean? Like we all know, you don't need to say yeah. it. We know, but yeah. Um, I will say my favorite scene was also the sort of therapy scene. So in, and for the same reasons and you stated it probably better. I, well, oh. I will give for some variety that I really liked the scene of Wesley playing with the crucifix. It got me. It made me kick, giggle yeah. and laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all all his little like falling into the vampire role like things were so like to me the funniest was like the walking in the house and then bouncing. Oh back. my god, so <laughs> good. <laughs> I love everything with house enter, not enter gags. I liked when Angel was leaning on the force field and then the guy died, so he fell. <laughs> I find all of that so good. Oh, um, okay. All right, so favorite outfit. Tell me about it, Gabe. Um, Gosh, uh, not to go back to Cordelia's... Well, okay, a uh, strong second place goes to Cordelia's lawyer look. I really think the, the, the messy bun and the outfit was really selling it for me. Mm-hmm. But I've got to say, Jessica brought it. The bloody mouth, the blowout. <laughs> like, we Serving. have been teasing her reveal and she did not fail to deliver like her presence was known she made a quick cameo but she made the most of that role with what she had uh and i really respect her i think she's she has some very antiquated ideas surrounding femininity and sexuality but you can't deny the look 
And maybe, honestly, maybe her praxis is commentary in and of itself. I think she was giving (laughs) drag, glamour, (laughs) horror, filth. I really, we saw the tenets of Dragula and I find her to be a a strong contender for America's next drag super monster. (laughs) (laughs) Jason, what was your favorite outfit? Honestly, I loved Gunn's vibes in this one. Like, Mm. It it seemed like the bright sweatsuit, you know, like the 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 nylon, like that would that would make that noise, you know, when you mm-hmm. were walking. But it had like that collar, and it, it was like what, like yellow? I don't know. It, it I was just like, oh, that just brings me back because I definitely had that. <laughs> <laughs> I had that really loud jacket, but loud as in color and loud when I walked. <laughs> <laughs> and the Volcom sticker. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Oh my the God. Sticker. <laughs> like it just, it just really brought those, those. Was that even nineties then? But it was nineties vibes. I felt like. Y2K. I, yeah. We're in that like Y2K, late nineties, yes, early. Vibes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that, that's probably my favorite. Cause I was like, I've, I've definitely worn something like that. <laughs> My favorite outfit, I'm going to give two because this episode was so much about gender. And I will say that I really liked Virginia's final birthday outfit, the like red sort of satin toppy look. It looked so good with her hair, which we have not said so far, but she has stunning curls, very well maintained, Mm. gorgeous color. Uh, So that was kind of fun. And then on the flip side, I will say the fake Tishmagev's flannel just looked like the kind of... (laughs) It's the only kind of daddy I feel like I could like really cuddle up with and tell my secrets. I'm with you on that. That was my second, but I was like, I can't use Tish McGavin both my answers, (laughs) but I am with you on that. Like that when he answered in that flat, I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, let's go cozy up. Yeah, let's light a fire. You tell me a story about a bear or something. (laughs) Yeah, and also you could tell me about myself too. Tell me what's wrong with me. Yeah, (laughs) fix me or break me, but let's do it in slow motion. (laughs) (laughs) okay so what do we give this episode grade wise jason you know i was gonna i was gonna start out with a c but seeing all the like the leading like 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 after just talking about it and like how this actually kind of is like a wesley like come up in a way like i kind of i would i would go up to a b minus there for that yeah and how about you gabe I kind of feel the same way. At the beginning, I wasn't sure if Jane had put her whole S pussy into the script, but with time and with talking about it, despite some of the like weird plot holes with the twist at the end, I was also coming in like maybe C, C plus, but I definitely, I'd put it in B territory. I do remember when I originally watched the series, I sort of glossed over this episode and like was sort of half paying attention toward the end, but rewatching it for this and talking it out with you all, um, I think it's um, it's I've warmed up to it a little bit. So definitely we're in B territory for me. Yeah, I similarly would give it a B minus. Um, I would go much higher. But the fact that we had to talk out the logistics of the plot and there's this character we barely yeah. ever see who's like definitely contrived to help like shorten and explain certain storylines. I didn't like love that aspect and it dragged it Mm. down, but normally that would drag an episode down so much harder for me. So the fact that they came out of this first off with me, barely noticing that I didn't understand anything, but also (laughs) that I really liked it. I got to give them a B minus. And I have to say Jane Espenson, even when she has a lower grade episode for her, 
for her average. Right. For they're just her. cut above. They're cut above. No. Mm. Um, there you go. There you go. Well, uh, if you love the show, which I know that you do, you should follow it at SlayerFestX98 on social media. Also, check out the Patreon. It is awesome. It has uh, tons of extra episodes. We're all on there all the time. You've got live mm-hmm. live streams. You've got uh, you can leave comments and and help make decisions and stuff for the show. So go check out that Patreon, please. Um, and if you'd like to find me, I'm at Ryan Houlihan on all social media, including the new one that I know you're thinking of. And if you'd like to see more of my work, you can go to youtube.com slash at Ryho. That's R-Y-H-O, where I do sort of tech politics mashed up with femme pop culture topics. Uh, yes. and, we, and, we, and we fight to save the world over there. Also, I have a podcast called Too Good to Be True about scams, schemes, con artists, and gurus, where we fight our own monsters of the week. That's over at The Financial Diet. Nice. Uh, Jason, tell us where we can find you. Uh, I'm Jason Soli on social media. That's S-U-L-L-I. Um, but mainly I stream live on Twitch. I'm most likely playing Dead by Daylight. But there we go. Excellent. And Gabe? Uh, sure, you can find me on all social media using the handle Gaybones, G-A-Y-B-O-N-E-Z. It's a username I made in college and never thought I would use professionally. Um, <laughs> you can also find my website with um, some of my comedy clips and um, upcoming live shows I do in New York. Uh, the website is gabeis.gay, G-A-Y. It is a real domain name, and I have it, and I'm very excited about that. Cornering the market on being gay. I, we love to see it. Oh, absolutely. And if you are in New York, um, I have a monthly comedy show at a bar called Come On Everybody in Brooklyn called The Lavender Scare. It's a comedy variety show featuring queer stand-ups and um, a few games surrounding um, some irreverent moments in queer history I like to highlight. So it should be fun. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, We will be back with another episode very soon. Again, go support the Patreon. We love you all. Bye. 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 Bye.